taking the time to talk to me. My now. pleasure. Um, my pleasure. Um, so my, I guess, my pleasure. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess to uh, get started, uh, so what's what did you? How did you get started in music, and what led you to compose for films? You know, I started as I don't even remember starting because I was probably a baby. You know, I just always did it, um, and I always fingered around on the piano and then and took violin when I was seven year, years old and then moved over to, to guitar um, with the hopes of becoming a rock star <laughs> and uh, loved that for all through high school and then um, after high school got much more involved in guitar playing and and you know continued studying at GIT uh, it's called Guitar Institute of Technology School <laughs> in, in Hollywood and then, uh, you know, went to Santa Monica City College in USC and, and, um, and uh, majored in composition. And uh, it went all through those years, I was composing concert pieces. And uh, always with an eye towards writing film music because I really loved writing music to stories. And I always felt that if I had grown up in the 19th century, I probably would have been an opera composer. Hmm. And, but being in the 20th century... Opera didn't seem all that uh, exciting to me. It didn't seem current to me. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, it just felt more natural for me. And I, yeah. I grew up watching films. You know, I didn't go. I didn't grow up going to the opera house. So I, I grew up watching all these movies and loving Star Wars and all these things. And so it was just an, and for me, it was just a natural course of music. But I never let go of the concert stuff. In fact, I. I just finished a brand new symphony in three movements that I'm going to be trying to get a, get performed. So wow, um, that's that's I like big. To mix, <laughs> I like to mix it up, you know. Because yeah, yeah, you've taken you've taken a few years off. So is that, is that what you've been doing? Yep, that's it. Yeah. <laughs> but, you, but you know, believe it or not, this film, Big Miracle, has been going on for quite a while. It, it's it's like you'd think I took all this time off. He's just not that into you. Um, was '09, and then I actually. Um, this film got extended, and, and bet- between the time I started and the time I finished it, it was probably a nine-month period. Even wow. though I wasn't composing all nine months, it's like they were were delivering this a little here and a little there, and recutting here and a little recutting there, and it just kind of kept extending. And um, so, it's been going on a while. And in between that, I've been writing this symphony, which is sort of the the, the largest scale concert work I've ever done. So. Um, I've been, uh, you know, pretty nonstop for the last two years. Well, Be- you know, between those two, yeah. uh, between those two projects. Well, it's good to stay busy, though. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is. It is. And of course, you know, getting the kids to school and stuff, that's, that's, that's right. a bigger job. Yeah, family too. That's a. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, when you're writing a score, what's the most uh, influ- influential aspect of the film to you? Is it the story, the characters, the location? I know it's like a combination of all of it, but what's what speaks to you the most when you're writing music? I would say the core of the story, you know, and then the characters, mm-hmm. and then the location. Um, because the core of the story is to me, you know, whether it speaks to me or not. And when I say the core of the, the story, the story and how the dialogue is written, um, and then how, and then it comes to the characters, they kind of grow together. Um, because if you don't have good characters developed, you know, the story is just going to fall flat no matter how good the story is. Right. So 
But if I had to pick an order, I would say, you know, give me a good story, make sure that they're spoken well with some decent characters, and then um, and then the landscape um, would be the third. Mm-hmm. So let's say, for example, if Big Miracle, you know, being everything the film currently is, it didn't take place in Alaska, but maybe like Florida or something. Would that mm-hmm. would that setting change how you the soundscape of the score as it is now? Totally, totally. I mean, you're, when you because when you're talking Alaska, you're talking freezing cold, mm-hmm. um, huge, huge, desolate areas of freezing, um, huge landscapes, big giant cliffs, um, kind of bigger than life skies and powerful oceans and you mm-hmm. just kind of get this more of an outdoor um landscape in mind if it had taken place in florida then um you know the whales would have been swimming in in uh, nice jacuzzi water instead <laughs> of the freezing cold they wouldn't have gotten that problem in the first place if right. they'd been smart enough to been in florida um but they um uh, that that so it absolutely changes the way I would approach it. I mean, it, it, you'd be listening to a completely different score. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, I think the way the sound definitely encompasses the cold and the the whiteness and the kind of I mean, and exactly. I, so I mean, you did a, a great job. The score is absolutely fantastic. Thank you, thank you. And, yeah, that and you're right. It's completely. Uh, it takes on where you are. Really, you know, I've never been to Alaska personally. Yeah, I mean, yeah. <laughs> I don't even have much desire, to be honest with you, uh, to go. Uh, I'm not, I'm not really a northern freezing cold type of person mm-hmm. that wants to hang out in the cold. But I am more, uh, but I do love northern landscapes. And I, I, um, my wife is from Quebec, which is up in, you know. Yeah, way yeah. up in the eastern coast of Canada, right. and we go often for during the winter, and we go to areas that are very much like this, like in in, in Alaska, where it's just very open and big, open, um, icy, you know, landscape. And I kind of drew from that my experiences of going to Quebec, you know, almost every year. I kind of drew from that feeling because I really feel I really think that the feeling would be very similar between the two. Right. Yeah, you know, uh, and in Quebec, I was there one one winter. It was forty below. Oh wow! And, I mean, that's so. I was kind of drawing from that that emotion. So, um, you know, and so that's that's kind of where I got the feeling. You know, being a native Californian, you know, <laughs> you know, <laughs> I'm not really too much of a northerner. But being that I'm married to a, um, someone who's from there. Um, uh, forces me to to go there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I grew I grew up in Maryland, so we had some 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 big winters. So you definitely you definitely got the feel of it. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, now I know I asked you this at the signing, but you had a really good answer to it. Um, you know, my favorite films from childhood, like uh, The Secret of Nim and Land Before Time, and I guess more appropriately, Free Willy. They all had scores that struck the right emotions without ever becoming you know, quote unquote children's score and you right. ma- and you managed to do this because I found Big Miracle to be like in all honesty, very beautiful, very, you know, big and sweeping and 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 so how do you make sure your music never becomes too saccharine and schmaltzy? You know, it's a funny thing you should say because um you know, it was just I just heard uh the other day in this uh 
in this interview I was doing with Ken Gawapas, the director, mm-hmm. um, you know, that he had heard at one point from the studio something about you know making the film, making sure that the music has a certain kind of, some kind of sort of sweetness to it. And he knew what they meant. He 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 kind of thought, oh, okay, they you know they know they're whales and everything. Maybe wanting some somewhat of a Disney kind of mm-hmm. uh, thing. And as good as the Disney ones are, um, Ken and I had decided not to go in that direction and to um, just try to play it very organic and real and not go down the the, the road of oohs and ahs over the whales. Oh, isn't that sweet? Mm-hmm. You know, none of that. It just plays them who they are with dignity. You know, they're these massive creatures under the, you know, animals right. that are are sort of stunning and fantastic. And um, so I just wanted to kind of um, play it very real and not 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 tip it, play it emotionally without tipping into the saccharine side of it. Right. And- you know, the the way that I would describe it is the oohs and ahs kind of thing. Oh, isn't that sweet? You yeah, know? yeah. I, I didn't want to go in that direction. And have you ever done a score like that? And has you know what? I never went in that direction. <laughs> 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 because I just think that it's it's more powerful to just go for the real emotion. Mm-hmm. Do you think? But do you think a film? Any? I mean, maybe a different film than Big Miracle. Do you think any film would ever benefit from music like that? Or is oh it... yeah, yeah, yeah. I I don't. You know what? I'm sure there there are. I but you know. Um, I would probably always try to go for the emotional aspect of it, less so than the the sweeter side. Mm-hmm. Because even in um, the film, you know, when I was thinking about what have I done that's you know closer to that, what what could have gone in that direction? Well, you know, My Girl Two mm-hmm. could have been thought of in more in that direction, um, a little more conventional in flavor, as it sounds a little more like a Hollywood film score, and um, but. And there may be a few others in there, but most of what I do kind of is is not going in that direction. Right. And that was funny because I, I went to a screening of Dolphin Tale with, and Mark Isham did a Q&A, and he was talking about how their their side of it was they wanted to, they didn't want to go with that too much saccharine, you know, stuff, mm-hmm. but the, they did want very thematic and very kind of, you know, a little bit more in the direction than I guess what you guys did, but and it and it worked and it worked. They didn't like overdo it or bash it over the head, and it was a really great, you know, thing. Yeah, yeah, it's true. I I I, I agree. I, I mean, we. I'm sitting here. I've worked with this director five times now. Right. So we have a certain knowing how we work, and I have a certain comfort level too with exploring um, different tonalities and and exploring going a little further on the edge of outside the box with him because he's very musical and knows a lot about contemporary classical music and mm-hmm. has just has his ear is opened up to it so when i i feel pretty comfortable just kind of going you know how about we go like this right i'm sort of taking it in a in a you know ultimately a, a direction that uh, uh and, I'm, and i'm comfortable presenting all that and there's, and, and there's uh, never, never a fear of being you know, shot there's, down. There's no fear of being shot down because, um, first of all, he's too nice a guy to, sh- to shoot anyone down. Um, secondly, it's because um, uh, if I do go, t- you know, 
in some direction too far one way or another, it's there's probably good reason why I need to be tilted back another way. <laughs> you know, because it's in a way, you know, um, the director's got the larger vision in mind. You know, mm-hmm. um, thinking about all kinds of things that that uh, uh, goes beyond the musical, the music side of it. You know, so um, yeah, I hope wonder if that answered that. No, yeah, it definitely does. But I, and I also talking about Ken because I know you just did, you know, a really good interview with Daniel Schweiger and with with Ken. So if you're sorry if you're repeating yourself, but uh, what 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 are the best? Because I'm not a, a musician. I, I'm more on the production side and I and writing and, and directing. So what are the best qualities for a director to have in a great composer director working relationship? Open mindedness. Um, hopefully, um, to me, if they have some. They don't. It's not a requirement to have a musical background, mm-hmm. but it sure helps if they love music, and and appreciate what music can do for a film, and appreciate what a music what what a good score can do to raise it to another level, and I think that um, there's there are not that many directors that have the that that ability that quality of appreciation for music and openness to it to allow it to come into the film and maybe do something that is is um, very different from what they may even have thought of initially. So that goes back to open-mindedness. Mm-hmm. And and um, um, that would pr- probably be the most impo- important thing. And then beyond that, if you get real lucky as a composer, you know, you might meet a Ken Coapis in your life and have a, not just a director who loves music and is open to it, but is musical himself. You know, right. he's got a great ear for music and plays piano and, you know, that and that raises it to a whole other level because we could talk about music by Debussy or we could talk about music by, you know, any number of composers today or, mm-hmm. or from the past and um, and totally, you know, get along that way. You know, I could say, you know, you know how when... when um, you know, Beethoven does this, and he goes, blah, 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 blah. what if we try to go in that direction? And he completely understands. Yeah, 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 of course, you know? Yeah. But if you didn't have that background, you know, you'd have to show it to that director. You'd have to, <laughs> instead of just saying, right. you know? So. But, and I'm surprised. That, yeah, I, I hear that uh, composers say that's a very rare thing to find. I would think that a lot of directors or, you know, filmmakers, producers, they feel like they should be musically, um, you know, literate in that sense, since it's such a be huge nice. part. Yeah. Be nice if it was even in you know in the film departments where there there would be some they don't have to learn to be a musician but it would be nice if there was some sort of little, sort of little music appreciation class or something that they to to to, to make them familiar um, with with a wider range of of compositions mm-hmm. I think that would really help their film career because it it would be um, sort of eye opening you know in, in Europe you know most people in Europe are because of the long tradition they have of classical music, it goes way back. Yes, of course, yeah. You meet a lot of, you know, European filmmakers. They're very, very aware of all the, the things I'm talking about right now with you. Um, but I think that the American filmmakers could use a little more of that that in their, their courses to kind of, you know, widen, expand the um, their sort of contemporary and classical music repertoire. Mm-hmm. I don't think that could possibly hurt. It would only help a filmmaker, in my opinion. Yeah, I, I, look how great! Look how great Spielberg 
Oh my God! Yeah, just uses music. You know, it's because he loves music. He loves it. He appreciates it. Um, he's probably very musical himself, and so he's you know, and obviously he's got this unbelievable composer who's just out of this world amazing, um, doing all the scores, John Williams, and it's just so he he just gets it. You know, he completely mm-hmm. gets it. It's fantastic. No, yeah, because when I was in in college, I actually my my um and you know. My love for scores actually inspired one of my professors to do a, a scores aesthetics class, so I thought that was cool. He, so he kind of got open to it and started teaching kind of yeah. a, sp- a specialty class just for you know filmmakers, just to right. Oh, that's cool. Um, and so those are all the good things about directors. From your experiences, what are, what qualities make a director just really a pain in the ass to work with? Well, um, I would say, um, hmm. I would say, you know, if if a director um, doesn't have a good, strong vision and starts taking notes from every single person on the panel and, and tries to incorporate because they don't have a strong enough vision for themselves to... to, to that could be troublesome because mm-hmm. then you just... It, it's, it dilutes it all too much and you never quite know where you stand. Right. You know, um, it could change on an instant. So I think the best thing, the best thing for directors is if they have a vision of the story and, and could have, and to be able to really go forward with that vision. That's so I would say a lack of vision, a lack of strength in that department mm-hmm. would be, wouldn't <laughs> be very interesting or fun. Yeah, I could see that just aimless wishy-washy, you know, yeah. or wandering, trying to figure it out kind of thing, you know, mm-hmm. um, so, but you know that's what that's what a, a let's say a, a great filmmaker artist is all about. Um, if they're a really good filmmaker, then they're they're also an artist at it, and 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 that person usually would have a strong vision of you know an artistic vision for each project that they do, and that's what makes them good. That's what makes them great directors. Right. And uh, and they have they can carry it every time, you know, and. Uh, and sure-footed. Now, it doesn't mean that, you know, everything, all your instincts are right. You know, often often uh, a director, even the greatest directors, will recut things a million times until they get it, and you're refining and refining. I mean, look at Beethoven as a composer. He refined his symphonies over many years, mm-hmm. some yeah. of them. And that's the greatest of all composers, greatest of all artists in the world is someone like Beethoven, and yet he kept going back to the drawing board. But you still saw how strong his vision is. Right. The vision was so focused, you know. It's just that he was refining that vision. He wasn't trying to figure out his vision, he was refining it. That's I think that's the yeah, that's a, the process I think of every major art or even anything that you attempt or put yourself to. It's always about trying and failing and reworking and all that. Exactly. And you continue, I mean the symphony I just wrote um it took me a long time because I kept cutting out, oh, I don't need that little section. Oh, I don't need those two bars. Oh, I could cut that little fat out of there and mm-hmm. I can make it more precise. And, and I just, you just keep working it, you know, until you get it and, and the balance seems right. right. So there, it's, it's all a process. I mean, there's very few Mozarts in the world, you know, that, mm-hmm. that seem to have it all in their, in their mind and can just literally spill it out and, do no revisions. I mean, that's just, I don't know, besides him, how many people there are like that. Yeah. Um, so 
working with uh, Ken, having the the background that you guys have, and I mean, I, I I assume that you were always going to do this movie when he signed on to do it. So, were you ever involved like early on in the pre-production? I mean, you said you worked on it for nine months, but were you? Well, uh, yeah. I mean, um, as soon as as soon as Ken starts getting his story together and starts getting it. Um, starts getting uh, a studio ready to back it that's usually when he we get together and he starts telling me all about it mm-hmm. so i usually am up on it you know well before he shoots it have you ever and, written music before pre-production or during pre-production um i you know what i haven't not with not so much with um with ken except for one movie he did a small he did an independent film called sexual life that was um uh, a story that um, uh, that required a uh, a string quartet mm-hmm. be written prior to the film being shot because one of the player one of the characters in the film was a violin player playing in a string quartet and he wanted an original piece for that so that was an instant where I composed that piece before he shot the film mm-hmm. and then it was used on on in the production you know when they shot it was it was played to that, mm-hmm. pre-recorded and then played to that. So that was a very unusual one. Um, mo- the other film, the, the, really the, the two films that really come to mind when we talk about writing something before it's shot it would be Star Trek VI and um, the other one was um, let's see, Star Trek VI, I'm trying to think of what the other one was that I did that with. Um, hold on, it'll come back to me. <laughs> uh, Magdalene, the very first one I wrote. Uh-huh. Um, those two, primarily those two, but particularly Star Trek VI and Star Trek VI is one that I wrote the main title before they went to shoot, mm-hmm. based on discussions I had with the director Nicholas Meyer. We sat down and and talked about how the opening might go, and and I went home and composed it and brought it to him, and that's what actually helped me get the job. Oh yeah. And, and so, you know, because I came in with this idea. I wasn't hired yet, but I met with him, talked about it, and then went home and wrote this piece and brought it back and presented it to him. And, and he, I th- he identified with what I came in with. And he, he and so it wasn't long after that that I got hired for the job. <laughs> well, that's good. I mean, there were, there were a lot of, uh, there were definitely a lot of Star Trek fans at the signing getting stuff signed. So, yeah. Like, definitely struck And then I ended up writing, and then, by the way, and then I ended up writing probably three or four other pieces prior to the as the film was being shot or prior to as ideas so because I, I, I had the script I had my discussions with the director so th- there's no reason why I couldn't go ahead and start writing themes mm-hmm. um, even though the footage wasn't done yet because then I can just then I was able to say okay now I've got material to draw from right well um, I guess to wrap things up I, I always like to ask composers uh, if you had the chance to score, any film ever made with no disrespect to the original composer, what film would you choose? Um, any film ever made, which one would it be? What playground would you like to take a crack at? Um, hmm. Really good question, isn't it? <laughs> it was... Uh, 
always gets a good a lot of a lot of people say oh i can never say that that's i would never do better than that but a lot of people are like oh i would definitely do this so oh do yeah <laughs> but what your question is no disrespect in other words it doesn't mean i would do it better yeah it's just a film i would love to do right? right yeah right um well give me a minute i want to come up with something that's <laughs> i don't want to just say something okay take all the time you need yeah let me think um, <laughs> Somewhere in time. Somewhere in time. All right. Why? Why did you pick that? Love that story. Yeah. It just I I love love stories, romantic, tragic love stories. Mm. They they usually have the best music too. And the score was unbelievable in that film. Mm-hmm. John Barry wrote the most beautiful oh, theme. Yeah. But I I would love to do that movie. <laughs> <laughs> You know, it's not that it was the greatest movie ever made, but I just love the mood of it. <laughs> that's a that's a good answer. I like that. <laughs> uh, well, Cliff, uh, I'm out of questions for you, but uh, thank you so much for taking the time to do this. I uh, really appreciate it. My pleasure. And uh, hopefully we get to chat again soon. And, Absolutely. Uh,